Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair today, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table with solutions, with wit and wisdom. Today, I'm going to be in the studio. However, my guests, because of COVID-19, are going to be on Zoom. So let's get to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table and solutions with wit and wisdom. And you guys, this has just been an incredible time I've had talking to my friends, Michael Rowan and Stephanie, and they're here today with me in the studio, although it is Zoom, and you guys all see the pink chair is right here. And next time, Michael and Stephanie, you come to Vegas, you're going to be sitting right. in these velvety chairs. And I know, Michael, it's a feminine thing. It's pink. And Stephanie probably won't mind too much. But hey, I can, I can embrace men. the pink. I can embrace I, the pink. I interview men all the time. So I love you guys. How long have we known each other about? It's been a minute, hasn't it? Probably like, a decade. 10 years? Yeah. Yep. And we actually had a speaking gig together. And I met you before, Pastor Michael, way, way before. But that was that you had it here in Vegas. And, but I remember meeting your beautiful wife and I was just blown away at just watching, of course you preach cause you preach the, the paint off the walls, bro. Okay. That's just the way you are. Like you cray and you bring in all these cool stories. And, and then of course, Stephanie is like this crazy testimony of drinking bleach and surviving. How is that possible? Like, I don't understand that. Beauty queen. <laughs> Beauty queen. I mean, it's just so amazing. And I know that you guys have such an incredible story an incredible love story. And so I just want to kind of give you the floor and tell us about y'all. All right. Well, uh, Michael Rowan, Stephanie Rowan, Michael Rowan ministries. We've been to 48 out of 50 us states, six out of seven continents. Uh, I've been doing this 30 years. She's been doing it with me almost a decade. And, uh, really our story is one of, uh, you know, just walking through hell and back. It's a story of redemption, restoration, and what the power of God can do in someone's life. Uh, you know, um, just in a quick recap, basically, uh, God kind of uh, catapulted my ministry to heights that I never thought it would be in. Uh, and uh, every, you know, I'm doing the TVN, I'm doing the Daystar, I'm doing all these things. And, you know, if enough people start telling you you're awesome, you'll start believing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I uh, got in a far too distant relationship with the Lord, and I'm really just giving you bullet points, but traveling the world, stepped out of my covenant of my marriage, and just got more guilt and condemnation, and uh, God was still doing great things, right. but I was getting sicker and sicker uh, because I had this secret inside. Uh, Annie, I'm going to say this. I don't think people know the difference between charisma and anointing. I really don't. Uh, I think uh, you can have someone, they know how to move an audience, they know how to press the buttons, but they could be living rotten. And I was uh, finally after about 16 months of a season of just lies and deception and hypocrisy, I came to my pastor, uh, my spouse at that time, and uh, just unveiled everything and stepped away from ministry. Uh, literally, um, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, you probably made it. It doesn't always work out that way. And so a ministry went down the tubes, two children that were confused and didn't know why, why dad wasn't there. Uh, all the, all the people in my life, pastors that I thought would just, 
you know, go to bat for me and loved me and dearest friends, uh, nobody. I, I, no one answered a phone call, a text. Uh, I was completely abandoned, told I should never be in ministry again, went into a spiral of a depression, lost about 60 pounds, ended up literally uh, <laughs> using my Bible degree to substitute fourth graders in Ohio living in someone's basement. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh my God. Years called me and said, you need to come home. I said, Pastor, I can't even Google my name. I don't know if I'll ever be in ministry again. He said, you got to come home. Drove 16 hours with everything I owned in a car back to Dallas, Texas. The pastor was standing uh, on the porch of the parsonage of the church. I pulled up about 3 a.m. It's pouring rain. And this pastor walked out into the rain and embraced my little bony body and said, Michael, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And God doesn't change his mind over who he calls. And Annie grabbed my face and he said, I'm not going to judge the book of your life by a couple of flawed chapters. God's not done. And I started a two-year restoration uh, and uh, restored my relationship with my children, restored myself in the ministry, uh, went through all the restore, restorative process that I needed to. And then God brought Stephanie into my life. And I'll let her tell just a little snapshot of her story. And then I'll tell you how God put a big bow on it and brought us together. Yeah. So <laughs> wait, hold so, on, Stephanie. I have to, I have to say one thing about your wonderful husband, Michael, I just want to acknowledge the courage and the faith it takes to say what you just said. And I, and I, I want you to know that, um, I know God saw you back then. And this is something that can literally have a pastor or a minister commit suicide, but you didn't do that. So we are glad that you are here. And well, I want to dark. I had dark days. I, um, I've had pastors tell me you should never be in ministry again. You should never be behind a pulpit again. And I told him that's not the Jesus that I serve. That's not the Bible that's right. that I read. That's right. And, uh, but I can remember literally preaching all over the world, being on television and then sitting in a one bedroom apartment, eating up 99 cent banquet TV dinners, uh, you know, broke, bankrupt, uh, no friends. I remember, Annie, I sold a shop back in a pawn shop so I could eat dinner. And I literally sat in a Long John Silver's in Louisville, Texas, and just wept and said, God, you gave me everything. And I was so flippant with it, and I threw it all away. But in our darkest, darkest moments, he's still so faithful. And so now uh, I don't hide behind the bushes. Uh, I feel like if one person can receive hope or healing or restoration from our stories, I want people to know if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And I would tell anybody watching this broadcast, I don't care how far you've run. I don't care how much you've screwed up your life. You couldn't blow it enough that the loving arms of Jesus aren't there to wrap themselves around you. So thank you. So good. I, I, I thank you so much for bearing your soul like that. And Stephanie, I mean, wow. Like, how did this happen? Like, how did you meet? And I know the story, but I want you to say it because it's really okay. cool how y'all met. So, so I got saved in his ministry. <laughs> uh, oh, so, yeah, Let's I married him. <laughs> well, go back to when you came to so, the church. So I didn't grow up um, in church. 
And the reason I didn't grow up in church or even know God as a child or teenager and didn't get saved until I was an adult in his ministry. Um, when I was young, I was molested by a priest for about eight years. And that incident caused my family to basically believe there was no God. God would never let this happen. This was a man of God, you know, molesting my daughter. So my family left the church um, when I was young, like 12. Um, and that was it. Like it was, we never went back to church. Um, they didn't want us to go to church. And so I just didn't have a good foundation of any type of belief system. All I knew was that the, the priest or the person that I could go to, to get prayer or forgiveness or, or whatever, you know, had, had done this to me. Um, and so not having any real belief system, um, you know, kind of like buried it all, living kind of a shell of a person. Um, ended up getting raped when I was 16. And that was the night that I really just felt completely worthless. I know a lot of women that go through any type of abusive situation um, really feel like they're worthless or nobody's going to love them. And that's really how I felt. I just felt like nobody could love me because I was just used. Yes. I felt like I was used and nobody would want me. And there was no point in living. And that was the first, first time or twice that I tried to commit suicide. That night was a night I drank bleach. Really Girl, unfortunate. I, what? Like, yeah. I mean, how, I don't understand that, but how did you even survive yeah. that? Like, yeah, I think when you're in such a, a dark place, which I was, um, I it was literally minutes after I had been raped. And I was just, I was crying and crying and crying and just so emotional. And I went, I was in my bathroom and reached under the, the cabinet to grab tissues. And it was just like something in me, like the, just the voice of the enemy, which I didn't know at that time, but it was just like, you're worthless. You're worthless. You're nothing. You're used goods. And they just kept saying all this stuff. And he was just like, just, nobody's going to ever gonna want you just end it. And there was, I was, you know, obviously like not in my right mind, not thinking just so overwhelmed with emotion and grief. And there was a bottle of Clorox bleach under our bathroom counter. And I just took it and basically chugged it until I threw up, passed out. My brother found me. Um, you know, took me to the emergency room and obviously God saved me. Um, and you know, just moved on with life at that point. Um, but still it was like, I just grew up in a family where you just didn't talk about those things. You didn't talk about, um, being molested. You didn't talk about, you didn't, you didn't get help. <laughs> you know, it was just like, let's move on with life. Um, and so I, I carried a lot of darkness in me, I think for most of my life until, um, well, I got saved <laughs> and, and really found true love. Um, in Jesus and true acceptance and realizing that I didn't have to be perfect and that I didn't have to be this victim because I think for most of my life up until that point I had just my story was oh woe is me and I'm a victim and like when I met Jesus I realized I was a survivor and yeah. I need to use my story and what had happened to me to help other girls because it happens to, to women and, and girls all the time, um, molestation and rape and suicidal thoughts and depression and anxiety. And so that's when I went back to school um, to get my master's degree in counseling because I really wanted to help children and teenagers that had gone through that. Wow. Um, and, but that, so I, we didn't know each other when I got saved. He was just the pastor. <laughs> it was a mega church of about 15,000 people, so I didn't How know her. How many people were there? About 15,000 were oh, in the wow. church. Wow. I didn't know was yeah so. uh, a friend invited her and said there's this wild man Crazy. that is just he's funny but he's like 
I think she said he's like Jim Carrey meets a preacher. That's true. <laughs> but she fell in love, moved off to Ohio, sharing her story. She becomes Mrs. Ohio, goes to Mrs. Oh, America. Mrs. Ohio, like as in pageant. Pageant. Yes. Wow. So, yeah, so even though I got saved in his ministry, we didn't even meet face-to-face for another, like, 10 years. Um, and so, yeah, I moved away, got married, went into pageants, became Miss, went to Miss America, like, on TV, all this stuff. And my husband at that time, who was a sex addict, unbeknownst to me, ended up having multiple affairs, getting women pregnant, um, and then abandoned me. And so... I moved back to Dallas after all of that and went through like a divorce care at a church and just really trying to figure out like what to do with my life. And I wanted to be a missionary. And she was done with men, but she decided decided to go back to the church where I was, where she got saved. Yeah. Knowing nothing of my story. And so someone just happened to say, Oh, pastor Rowan, he's at a church across town. She sends me a Facebook friend request and I messaged her, uh, you know, I would like to tell you it was her glowing personality that I noticed first, but I was just like, whoa. So I just sent her a message and just said, hey, girl, thank you for the friend request. How do I know you? And she said, I mean, she just said, well, I actually attended the church where you were pastoring and so forth and shared a little bit of her story, not much. And I just said, well, hey, you know what? We could probably help one another more than you even know. We should get together for coffee or something. Literally, and I was like, uh, just wanting to meet this beautiful girl. So we, on our first date, Annie, (laughs) on our first date, she vomits all this stuff out. We're sitting there over sushi, and she's like, yeah. My favorite thing, you know that, sushi. You know that. (laughs) I mean, she just blurted it all. She's like, well, you know, this happened and this happened, and I had a husband, had multiple affairs. Now, you can imagine what's going through my mind right now. She said, you know, he cheated on me and he abandoned me. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, um, so hmm. the date's over. I go back to the house. I tell my pastor, I said, well, that's that. He <laughs> goes, what do you mean? She's not going to like said, me. <laughs> I said, my husband, she on. And I looked at him and I said, who's ever going to love or trust or want to go out with somebody who's guilty of the same thing? And he said, man, you got to tell her. So I asked her out on a second date. Uh, we were supposed to end up going to the movies, ended up sitting in the parking lot in the car, and I just spilled tears all over the car seat and told her everything that I'd done, waiting for her to say, check please, or take me home, or peace out. And she looked at me and welled up with tears in her eyes, and she said, that's not who you are anymore. She said, I can see that God's done an incredible thing in your life, and I'd love to see you. <laughs> oh my gosh, so, I'm going to cry, you guys. Oh, I, I can't imagine a little fly on the window trying to hear what you guys had to say, like the, the reaction between you two, how that must have well, felt. It's unbelievable. So seven months uh, or five months later, we were uh, engaged. engaged. Seven weeks later, we were married. And we literally traveled for years just sharing our testimony of hope and healing. Hi friends, it's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair, and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here? The peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees, 
This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause and it's tax deductible. Thank you so much. I said this to you before we were taping, but when when the enemy wins some battles, not the war, but he wins some battles, when you fail, when you fall, uh, the church doesn't know what to do with failure. And so when someone has royally screwed up their life, uh, you get two choices. You can curl up in a fetal and suck your thumb and die, or you can right. get up and brush yourself off and say, by the grace of God, I will be the man or woman of God that he's destined me to be. Yes. And decided yes. if one person can receive hope or healing, it's worth sharing our story. Peter was the greatest failure ever. And when Jesus yeah. was raised from the dead, he told some folks, hey, I'm going to be over here in this place. Tell everybody, meet, meet me there. And then he said, and tell Peter too. Yeah. And Peter came before the Lord. It's in Luke 22, 32. The first time Peter ever came face to face with Jesus after he raised himself from the dead, after being the royal screw up, denying him three times, Jesus looked at Peter and said, now that you've returned to me, go and strengthen your brothers. And the power of that verse is Jesus didn't care about Peter's failures as much as he wanted him to use his failures to go and breathe life into other people. So that's what we're doing. That is, and that is such the key. I mean, Jesus, he looked at the heart of the human being because he know he knew even from himself being tempted in the garden of Gethsemane saying, not my will, Lord, but yours, you know, not falling into that temptation, but he knew the vulnerability of the human heart. And, and, and I was saying that to my friend last night, go ahead. I believe some of the most powerful ministries today are people who have walked through the darkest valleys. And I'm not saying that you have to have blown it to have a powerful ministry. Right. I'm not saying that right. at all. I'm saying that I minister from a different place now. Pain sensitizes you to the needs of others. Right. And so when you've walked through some things, the Bible says comfort those with the same comfort you've received. You know what? I, I was molested. She was molested. Some people weren't. They can't step into someone's life and minister to them because they've never been there. Right. You know, one of the worst things someone can do Man, in life, it, 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 it ticks me off when someone comes up to someone and says, hey, I understand. I know how you feel when you don't. No, you don't. I don't That's want, right. That's right. I don't want someone to me that doesn't understand my struggle. They can say they love me. They can say I'm praying for you. But don't say you understand how I feel if you've never been there. But the Bible tells us that we've all walked through some things. Your story is amazing. You're breathing life into people that nobody else can. Uh, you know, uh, some people come from broken homes. I didn't. My mom and dad just celebrated 55 years of ministry. I, I've never, never known my mom and dad to fight. I never had to cry going to bed at night, hear my dad slap my mom around. I, they're in love to this day. They're, it's crazy. So I would never go to someone with a broken family and go, I know how you feel. I don't know how they feel. 
but some people have grown up in that and they can minister to people that our stories should never, ever, ever be swept under the carpet. Never. We should take a and yes. our bruises and we should shout it from the rooftops as a testimony of what God has done in our lives. I, I totally agree. And I wanted to just say that if you look at the divorce rate in the church, some say it's higher in the church than the world. Now, mm. That really is disturbing, but it's also an opportunity for you both as a couple, you know, being in the relationships you've been in to minister to those people that everyone is throwing out and rejecting. Now, even especially some of the denominations that don't believe in divorce. I mean, we've got wounded everywhere because of that. And, and you know what, it, it seems like the, the, the human condition of judging one another is getting bigger and bigger nowadays where we're just judging people. Oh, you did that. I'm cutting you off now. And it's like, social media is our perfect example. Like you can't do anything wrong without offending somebody, you know, Oh, you're not in my group now. And I think that a lot of people, what I observe online is that they're, they really throw the Christians under the bus. And can I be honest with you? I don't blame them. Because we're a bunch of jerks sometimes. We're a bunch of judgmental, twitted jerks that cannot get off our own soapbox to let someone have some grace and a second chance sometimes. Right, you guys? Like, I'm not yelling at anyone, but... People are too afraid to even talk about mistakes they've made or... Or there, you know, things they've been through because the church is so fast to like judge you. You've seen so much, right? Just hate from Christian on Christian, and it's just not the gospel. It's not what Jesus wants us to do. And, and social media has made it, it just an elevated. Oh dear God! Social media has given everybody a platform. Yeah. Hate has become <laughs> hate has become a professional sport. You yeah, can't even make your opinion without thousands of people popping off at you but what i have learned in my life is if you have needed grace man you're willing to give it and when someone doesn't have any grace to give it lets me know they've never needed it but i can promise you annie any time in your life when you've needed the grace and the mercy of god that is greater than all our sin if you've ever needed that boy you're quick to give it no it's absolutely true and and i know that for myself that when I meet someone, both of you, that they don't have grace for someone, it's like I see the brokenness in their heart. Like they are so hurt inside. They're not willing to allow that to happen even to themselves. You know, I, I just love the fact that Jesus, he was grace personified. Like he let everyone come near him and he didn't reject anyone the only one he rebuked obviously was what (laughs) a church (laughs) the synagogue jesus didn't social distance and i'm glad that he didn't no he didn't you know what it's funny because i just saw a clip have you have you all seen the chosen yet we've seen a few yeah okay so there's a clip with this leper and i was watching it because i'd seen it with my husband we binge watched it and i just loved it and there's a scene with this leper And it was so powerful because they're on this path. They had just left his carpentry camp and his tent and he had his disciples with him and they were following him. It was like in in a woody scene. And this guy comes walking towards them and all the disciples, Oh, master, 
Rabbi, don't go near him. But he, he's a leper. And Jesus is like, calm down. I got this. You guys, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. And, he, and obviously it's that scripture. If you're willing, will yes. you make me clean? And it reminded me of COVID in a lot of ways. But then also yeah. it reminded me of being who I used to be, being who both you used to be, that rejected, used, discarded human being that mm-hmm. nobody wants, that's in the trash basically. But yet Jesus reaches down into that spot and goes, oh, I just found a treasure. Let's swipe it off a little bit. Here you go. And it's like, we're in like Flynn and then we're like a trophy now. Now we're like this beautiful trophy. You guys, it, it, this is awful. We have two minutes left. I'm so sad. Well, let me, say, let me say this, Annie. We have created an atmosphere in churches that say, if you don't look like us, you can't hang with us. And I believe God's saying, I'm looking for some people that don't look like y'all because they'll understand grace. Give me they'll the understand. They'll, they know what it means to be on the outside. Absolutely. So I want to share, both of you, uh, share your, where they can, people can get in touch with you, your social media. And I know, Stephanie, you're in a contest right now. You actually do, really quick, 30 seconds, and then you 30 seconds, Michael, what you guys do in your, your Twitter account or your yeah. Instagram or whatever. My, my, social, my social on Instagram, I'm Steph Rowan, and that's S-T-E-F-F, Rowan, R-O-W-A-N. Um, and yeah, I lost 110 pounds over the last year, and so... I'm in a competition to be the next Mrs. Health and Fitness on the cover of Hers Magazine. Um, Everybody pray. Which, yeah, it would be an amazing opportunity to, um, you know, have a Christian be on the cover, I think would be amazing in the fitness industry. If anybody wants to turn their life around physically, whether it be through macro or nutrition or personal training, they need to look this girl up, Steph Rowan, on Instagram. Uh, I am the other facet of our ministry. She does the external. I kind of work on the internal. <laughs> Uh, but Michael Rowan Ministries is traveling, doing uh, crusades all over the country. Uh, we do a comedy night, which is an outreach. So it's a comedy night disguised as a soul winning outreach. So the soul winning outreach is what it really is, but we cloak it as a comedy night. And oh, that's uh, so cool. you MichaelRowanMinistries.com uh, and my Instagram is RevMichaelRowan. Oh, I'm following you guys, right? Uh, if I'm not, I'm going to follow you guys tonight or today. Yeah. Or- right now (laughs) you guys thank you so much i i love you both dearly i i pray for you thank you so much for loving us and blessing us and supporting us always hookers for jesus and and my husband and i we just love you and thank you so much for being here today i'm so honored that you guys came on and i want you to come in the studio when you get to vegas and we can sit down and talk again because there's so much more to talk about i love you guys and you guys thanks for joining us today because go ahead the joy and an honor. Yeah. And I know this whole program has been mainly about us, but to all these people watching, that woman is a champion. And I meant what I said, only eternity will tell the the impact. Hookers for Jesus, Annie Lobert, all the things you've had your hand on. Uh, I just think that you and your ministry is the most like Jesus's ministry would have been. Yeah. Thank you so you much. That means a lot. Thanks, you guys. God bless you. We'll see you later, everybody. Thanks for joining Annie's Pink Chair. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hi, friends. It's Annie Lobert from Annie's Pink Chair, and I am actually on location at our nonprofit ministry called The Destiny House. 
And do you feel and see the presence that's going on here, the peace, the calmness, the comfort, the beautiful grass, the trees? This is what each woman comes to when she enters our Destiny House program for sex trafficking victims. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on donate.